Thank you, Brother Terry. If you brought your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. We looked at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 last week, and we want to go back to this chapter. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we'll look at verses um, 1 through 6. We'll read those. We dealt with verses 1 through 3 last week. We'll pick up with 4, 5, and 6 today, but I'd like to read all of those uh, in context. So we'll look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and we'll read um, verses 1 through 6. Ecclesiastes, there in the Old Testament, near Psalms. Appreciate you bringing your Bible. Uh, just because we have the scripture on the screen, uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't all have our Bibles with us. And so let me encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of businesses, a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. For our text today, verse 4 through 6. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? For you that were not here last week, let me just briefly give an introduction to chapter 5. Last week we began to look at the book of Ecclesiastes. I may be preaching sometime in the book. But Ecclesiastes really is just a testimony of King Solomon who had a relationship with the Lord and decided to depart from the Lord. And that decision was devastating for him. Let me just remind you, as a Christian here this morning, if you have a relationship with the Lord and you choose to depart from the Lord, that decision will be devastating. That may take time. The Bible says that sin is just for a season. But after a period of time, I can assure you, based on God's word, that that decision to depart from the Lord will be devastating. And so Solomon begins to live his life under the sun. That phrase is used throughout the book. The Bible tells us as a Christian that we've been raised with Christ and we've been seated in the heavenlies. Therefore, we're to seek the things, the Bible says, that which are above, where Christ is. 
We're to seek those things that are above the sun. We're to set our affection on things above and not on things below the sun. We're to set our affections on things in heaven and not things of the world, not things on the earth. But when a believer decides that, that he will live life from an earthly perspective and decide to cut God out of his life or her life, the result will always prove to be tragic. It will always prove to be devastating. And so Solomon had tried everything life had to offer under the sun. And he was still a very miserable person. He had tried wealth. He had tried wisdom. He was a very wealthy person. And we'll deal with this later on in a time of study. He, he, he was the smartest man, the Bible says, who had ever lived. People came from all over the known world at that time just to hear his wisdom. But still he was miserable. He tried women. He had so many wives. He had so many concubines. But still with the women and with the wisdom and with all of his riches, he was most miserable. And he tried wine, partying. He tried the wild lifestyle, so to speak. And with all of that, he came to a conclusion that everything in life was vanity. The word vanity means meaningless. It was all vanity. It was vexation of spirit, chapter 1, verse 14. Then Solomon began to understand what we all understand sooner or later, and that is that there's only one place that we can have true joy, true happiness, true pleasure, call it fun if you want to, and that's in a personal relationship with God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Solomon begins his journey back to God. And he starts at the house of God. Chapter 5, verse 1. And the house of God was the temple of God. We call it the church house today. And so he deals... Takes us kindly over a, a tour of him going back to God. And, and so he starts at the church house in regards to his relationship. Now, you don't have to go to church to be saved. I'm not saying that. You can be saved in the hospital room. You can be saved. I believe Charles Messer was saved in a cornfield or a cotton field. You can be saved at your house. You can be saved on the street. You can be saved anywhere. However, church is a place that you should be able to go. And when you arrive there, it should be a place where you can find out how you can have a relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus. It's not a place just to hang out, but it's the house of God. And so if you're serious about your relationship, if you go to a Bible-believing church, a Bible-teaching church, you'll be able to have an encounter with God. If you go to a church that loves God and loves people, you should be able to have an encounter with God. And so we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5 through 3 last week, and we saw verse 1 about the importance of going to church and, and to renew our relationship. And, and we, we saw in verse 2 how we should listen more and speak less when we're at the house of God. And verse 3, how we should pray before we get to church and how we should pray while we're in church and how we should pray after church. But notice, if you will, in verse 4 today, 
when thou vowest a vow unto God. Defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. So Solomon now takes us to the matter of vowing, making promises to God. Now it was common in those days for people to make a vow to God. And it's also common today for people to make a vow to God. It's not uncommon for you to make a promise to God. A vow simply means a promise to God, things that we tell God that we will do. I'm sure there's not a one in this church today who is a Christian who has never made a vow to God. When you accepted Christ, you made a vow to God. You made a promise to God then that He'd be the Lord of your life, all power and authority and control over your life. How's that vow going? Have you kept it? That's a vow. So the Bible places great importance on the matter of vowing. You see, your word, my word, is important. What you promise to do is real important. It's a tragedy today that so many promises are made and very few of them are kept. Even more tragic in serving the Lord. You see, when you sign your name to a banknote, you've made a vow. You're going to fulfill that vow. You're going to fulfill that promise. You've committed yourself. You've, made a, you've committed yourself that you're going to follow the conditions of that note. I've signed them. One for 30 years. I made another vow. She's still with me. That's a vow. She made the same vow to me. I made the same vow to her. People walk off. Don't keep their word. Don't keep their vow. Getting back to the couples in front of a marriage altar, in front of a pastor, face that many times. They make vows to each other before God and those that are witnesses. What's ever happened to marriage vows? As couples, we vow that we'll be faithful to one another for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness, and in health. Till death do us part. That's a vow. That's a promise before God and for those that witnessed it. And when a crisis comes, times get bad, they take off. Later on, they find another one, and then another one, then another one. People make vows to institutions, people make vows to each other. And people make vows to God. People get sick. They get concerned about that sickness. And they pray, Lord, if you'll just let me get better, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. Let the test come back good. And I'm all in. I'm all yours. I'll serve you. I'll be more faithful. 
I'm going to get serious, God. You just bring me a good report, and I promise you my life's going to change. Then I notice people make vows to the Lord when they want their prayers answered. Couples pray for a baby. They pray for a child. They make a vow to the Lord. Lord, if you'll just give us a child, we'll dedicate that child to you. And we saw that happening May the 8th on Mother's Day. Had four couples came and made vows to the Lord. I know I have friends that gone off into the military and, and in more recent years gone to, gone to where there's uh, Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever and they go to the the military, and they'll pray, and they'll say, Lord, if you'll just take care of me, if you'll get me back home safe, I'm all yours. I'm in for the long run, Lord. You can count on me. Just get me back home. Then there's times when people are real near to God, and they commit them, themselves to do certain things in regards to ministry. Solomon is just simply saying, when you vow a vow to God, don't delay to pay it. Pay your vow. You coming back to God, you'll never be back to God till you begin to pay your vow that you owe. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says this, Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. That means, Solomon says, Hey, it'd be better not to make a promise if you're not willing to fulfill the promise. Now, don't misunderstand. He's not saying that you shouldn't make a promise to God. He's not saying that you shouldn't make a commitment to the Lord. We're supposed to make commitments to the Lord. You ought to make commitments to the Lord. If you've never made a commitment to the Lord, especially to salvation, you've got some serious problems. If you've never made a commitment except for salvation, you've got some serious problems. Commitment to serve. You need to make a commitment to use your spiritual gifts and be a place of be a person of service in the church. Make a commitment to attend. Make a commitment in regards to stewardship. I can remember some time back when we were trying to raise funds to, to build our church building back. We sent out envelopes, and it kind of stirred up some people because the church was asking them to give to build their church building back. My goodness gracious, you shouldn't have to send out a letter. You need to make a commitment. Solomon's saying, listen, you make a commitment. This... this when you make a commitment to God, that's not some old grandpa or oh some old fuddy-duddy up in heaven somewhere that don't care about your commitment. He's really listening. He's listening. And he takes our promises very serious. So here's a question today. Is there just someone here today that there was a time in perhaps your past that you made a promise to the Lord and you haven't followed through with it? Have you kept that promise? 
Maybe there's a young person here today. You went to youth camp. Or you went on a retreat. Or you went to a strength to stand conference. And there in your quiet time you made a promise to God. That might have been five, six, ten years ago. You might have made that, Terry Wilburn, when, when, when we were going down to Count McMurray 25 years ago, and you've never followed through that promise, that vow. You told God that he was first in your life. Have you kept that promise? Have you kept your vow? He says, defer not to pay the vow. Verse 5, look at verse 6. I'm about finished. Verse 6 says, Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice? Destroy the work of thine hands. In other words, when he says, Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. In other words, don't, don't get in trouble by what you say. You know, in the days of Solomon, you know, uh, the temple priests would come by and they would collect the vows that people had made. Imagine that. Brother Ralph shared with me years ago in the church he was part of how the priests would come by to collect the vows. They'd come by and collect the vows. You'd run across somebody and say, hey, I, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> I don't remember signing that card. I, I, don't remember, I, I don't remember doing that. That's what he says there in verse 6. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. You remember this guy by the name of Jonah? God had plans for Jonah. And, and Jonah kindly submitted to those plans. And it came down to going to a country he really didn't think he should go to, Jonah. He didn't think he should go to. He didn't think he should go to this city called Nineveh. And so he, he bought a ticket to go to Joppa, the opposite direction. And so he, he gets, gets on board, gets on this ship, and off he goes floating down toward Joppa, going in the opposite direction where God wanted him to go got on that ship, but what he didn't know, God was whipping up a storm that was going to meet him kind of in the middle of the sea. I watch Fox News a lot. I don't know these other channels, but I know what Fox News has. They have these Fox News alerts. You'll hear a tone on TV, then you'll have a Fox News alert. Let me give you an alert. From God Almighty. You decide to ignore your vows to the Lord. And you make up your mind that you're, you're not going to do what you promised the Lord. Just remember you're talking to the Lord of the universe. And he will collect on his vow. You remember what happened to Jonah? He collected. You say what happened to Jonah? He got on board ship, he started off, and a great storm came up. Everybody got afraid. Jonah knew what the problem was. It was all about him. 
And so they cast Jonah. He said, hey, if you'll throw me in, everything's going to be calm. They didn't even have to pray about it. They picked him up and threw him in. Everything calmed down. But God had prepared not only the storm, but God prepared this great fish that swallowed old Jonah. Now listen what Jonah said in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. I believe we'll have it on your screen. Look what he says. Jonah says, but I will sacrifice. This was after the fish experience. I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and the fish just vomited out old Jonah upon dry land. God collected. Turn to Psalm 66. It, it should be on the screen. Psalm 66. Look, listen to verse 13. Psalm 66, verse 13. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows. Verse 14 says, Which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. Some has been in trouble. You know what he did? He made a bunch of promises to the Lord, and now he's come to the conclusion, I'm going to have to pay what I told the Lord. Psalm 116. Listen to what the psalmist said in verse 14. Psalm 116, verse 14. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now, notice this, now in the presence of all of his people. God said to the psalmist, and God said to some of you perhaps today, you ought to come today, make good your vow in the presence of God's people. Some should come and say, God, I, I've been running from you just like old Jonah. Some should come and say, God, I've been trying to find pleasure in this old world. I've been trying to find all kinds of pleasure under the sun. I've neglected what's above the sun. Some should come and say, you know, God, I, I've made promises, I've made vows, I've made commitments, and I haven't kept them. Just forgive me and cleanse me. I'm coming, confessing my sin, asking you to forgive me, picking up here today and going on. Be willing to do that? You really ready to do business with God this morning? So Solomon's looking about what life is all about. And he takes us to the church, and he says, when you consider going to the church, going to the house of God, remember how you worship. Remember when you go to the house of God, you're to worship, you're to listen more than you're to speak, and you're to pray, and then you need to consider your vows. Offer your vow and keep your vow. Here's the point. Today, some of you have lived your life under the sun. And like Solomon, you've, you've discovered that it's, you're never going to find true happiness there. You'll never find lasting happiness under the sun, but you'll find it with a relationship with God who is above the sun. And you find that relationship through His Son, Jesus Christ. You come to the right place... You've come to the church. And when you come to church, you need to be able to find out how you can have a relationship with God. 
So this morning, let me ask you, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, would you be willing to trust Him and only Him for your salvation? You say, well, Brother Sammy, you know, I'm here under the sun. God's there above the sun. How can I get to a God above the sun? Jesus tells us that. In John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way. I'm the road. I'm the way. I'm the hadas. I'm the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. And if you try all these other things, being good and doing good and living morally and attending church and going through all the ordinances, you know, and you miss Jesus, you've missed heaven, my friend. You've missed heaven. The only way you can get from below the sun to above the sun is through Jesus. No one comes to the Father but by me. Have you received him into your life to be your Lord, your Savior? Would you be willing to do that today? What you're saying, I'm putting, I'm putting all my eggs in one carton. I'm trusting Christ, and if he don't get me to heaven, nothing's going to get me to heaven. Sadducees, Pharisees, they had it going. They'd memorize the scripture. They knew the Bible. The entire Bible at that time wore it on their forehead, wore it on their arm. They could quote scripture. They were the most religious people around, but they were lost. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. You don't go to hell today for committing murder. You don't go to heaven today for not committing murder. You go to hell today or to heaven today for what you do with a person by the name of Jesus Christ. There's going to be murders in heaven. Paul was a murderer. So what are you doing with Christ? Let me invite you to come to him. Some of you today have neglected and you've walked away from your vows. Just not just to God, but to your spouse, to your church, to your friends. You just need to come in repentance of broken vows. How is it in serving the Lord? How is it in using your spiritual gifts? What about the promises that you've made about serving, about giving, about attending, about all of those uh, Christian um, services that you commit yourself to? You know, we have, we have great teachers here and, and people serving the Lord here. And it's just amazing sometimes how I talk to people and, and how serious they take their commitment to serve. Really, it's just, it it's just blesses my heart to, to make the arrangements that they make to be here. Not just not show up, but they've made a commitment. And they're here. You, you imagine what it's like sound booth or, or in the video room that's recording or in the nursery or in the children's church. People just didn't show up. Say they committed. And I want to thank you for your commitment. But if there's something tucked away you need to talk to the Lord about, you just come this morning and get that worked out. That's the way you get back to God. It'll always be there. You'll always remember it. He'll keep it before you till you get straight.